Hello, Joanna. Hello, Nate. And hello to all of you. We are Stranger Than, a podcast discussing the strange, the macabre, the unsolved, the creepy, and sometimes cults. <laughs> yes, uh, we are going to be talking about a cult today. You know, I'm, I've been thinking the last couple weeks that I'm kind of inclined to start a cult right now. Would you be the leader of this cult? I'm a little divided on that. On the one hand, it's a really opportune time to start a cult right now, I think, because of the whole, like, civil unrest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, first there was the pandemic, followed by the civil unrest. I mean, we're checking off a lot of boxes here. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, kind of an opportune time to, to do one, but... I was thinking the, about the lack of having, like, a male spokesperson. It's like I could, like, write all the shit and then he could say it because I feel like cults are sometimes more widely accepted when they are led by men. Probably. I mean, I don't... Especially if you're going to go a little bit more towards, like, like the jesus end. The conservative of a, end of yeah, things, yeah. Conservative cultism versus, like, Your hippie left yeah. cultism. Mm-hmm. But I did think that, like, one good selling point for me being the leader even though I'm a woman, probably, well, definitely, for sure, I think I could make some of the recruits a little bit more comfortable, especially the men, because they know for sure I'm not going to suddenly come up to them one day and be like, hey, God wants me to fuck your wife. I don't know. This is the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> but I, was, I suppose in that case, they'd be more inclined to be like, well, Can I watch? Did God say I could watch? <laughs> right, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I would not be so inclined to do such a thing, right. in the first place, just because that doesn't happen to be my thing. Now, I and, mean, not to say that if some really hot guys joined my cult, like, that sorry, I might ladies. eventually be like, mm. gotta take these husbands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would try not to take anyone's husband unless they were, like, really, really hot, but... Um... And you're probably not going to be <laughs> spreading a lot of seed so much. Right. Not like, a lot of no, wild oats to, to that's, sow. That's not my intent. I don't no. need, like, 85 children in order to, like, you'd have, have to have create all some children, new world you know? order. <laughs> like, yeah. You'd have to have all of those. I would actually, take a long yeah. time. That must be another reason, like, the men are, yeah. like, the, you know, presumed, like, cult leaders because... It takes one male of a species <laughs> to you can you can get a, a lot of women pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any any species. Mm -hmm. it's sort of how it works. That's why. That's why we get saved. Yeah, it's because you know you need more of us yep. to repopulate the world. Yeah, versus uh, you you guys are expendable. Yep, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about this cult. This particular cult. This is the cult of, what is it, Rajneeshism? Rajneeshism, also known, I think, as the Order of the Sannyasins. Babulal Jain, a cloth merchant, and his wife, Sarawati Bai, had a bunch of kids. Ten, to be exact. That's a lot. That's, uh, that's a lot of kids. The first one of which was born on December 11th, 1931, and called Chandra Mohan Jain. He lived most of his early years in Kachwada, India, with his grandparents, and then his parents when he was an adolescent. 
He was reportedly a crazy-ass teenager rebelling against the man or whatever and questioning the social, religious, and philosophical norms of the time. He graduated high school in 1951 and then began college in Jabalpur, India at the Hikarini College. Here, he studied philosophy until he got into some kind of argument with a professor and was told to leave. He ended up getting his bachelor's in philosophy at D. N. Jain College in 1955 and his master's from University of Segar in 1957. The year following his graduation, he began as a philosophy lecturer at Jabalpur University and then a professor two years after that. But way back in 1952, when he had first left college, when he got kicked out or whatever, he took some time off. Spent the year meditating and searching for enlightenment, which he claims to have found. March 21st, 1953. Oh, he knows the exact date. Yeah, he might even know the time. I couldn't find the time, but I again didn't look too deeply into the time itself. Right. According to him, communism was bad and capitalism was good. Oh, I like this guy. He was pro-science <laughs> and pro-technology. He wanted to shirk off the orthodox Indian religions and religious rituals and believed that sex was the first step to spiritual enlightenment. Hmm. Protected sex, because he was really into, you know... Not protected. having any disease? Or children. Right. Uh, okay. And it wasn't that he was so against... So he didn't, he didn't want to have masses, massive amounts of children No, no. And he, okay. he didn't think people needed to have a lot of children because the world was getting... Overpopulated as it was. And so, also true. This makes so much sense. Yeah, See, so, I feel I mean, like these would be some of the things I would base my cult on. Yeah, they're all pretty good ideas, you know? As a professor at the university, he began going by the name Ashraya Rajneesh. And in addition to his work as the professor, he'd travel around and basically preach his Hindu hippie ideas. That's more or less what it was. Yeah. It's like free love and, you know... Free love, you, except you believe in capitalism and you acknowledge the fact that communism is very, very bad and nobody fucking actually wants it. Right. In 1962, he began to run meditation camps, three to ten days long. In 1964, he also started recruiting followers. And then in 1966, he quit his teaching job to be the sex guru full time, which, you know, ostracized him from mainstream philosophy and religious circles. Yeah, religion just really has a thing with sex. I know. They're just I don't not, know why they're not about it. They're just so fucking hung up on it. It actually wasn't until 1968 that he was called the sex guru, and it wasn't a name he gave himself. It was given to him by Indian Press. I imagine. I mean, that's a catchy name. And it followed a lecture series called From Sex to Superconsciousness. Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was quite the scandal in the religious community, and the Hindu leaders were pretty unhappy about it. So it was like, all in all, he was. Not really a popular dude. Yeah. With people in power anyway. Well, I mean, wasn't it all in a way that's like, like women, like marriage was enslavement to women and everything was like super like. Shitty, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, and, and so his way was like and... centered around like, yeah, free sex, but it's all consensual and. Protected. Yes. Yeah. In a time, I mean, even back then in America, it was weird. I mean, you weren't always using condoms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty forward thinking. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the condom movement really happened when we were teenagers and yeah. AIDS started becoming a thing. Yeah. Once AIDS became a thing, that pandemic. Yep. Um, That is when, like, it, I mean, it, they just drilled well, it through your head all the time. Use condoms, use to condoms, be fair, use condoms. it wasn't until... 
straight white people started getting AIDS, they started pushing well, the Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying it happened in the 90s, <laughs> in the 90s versus the yep. 80s, you know, when AIDS actually like, came well, out. But by the time me, it actually yeah. started affecting enough rich white people, that yeah. was straight people. Yep. Rich, white, straight people. Yep. Um, yeah, that's when it became, like, a huge deal. Yeah, and everyone started wearing condoms. And everyone because, needs to wear condoms. Yeah. Because even you guys can get it as if that, you know, like, let's just reinforce that subtle right, exactly. uh, idea that somehow gays are lesser people or yeah. are quite human. You're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Good times. Oh, man. Just... Our enlightened past. <laughs> it's... I think so much still needs to change, but it, it's... It's interesting to, to see what's changed in our lifetime. Oh, yeah. It's, and then our parents' lifetime. That was a huge oh amount God, of change. Yeah. The whole civil rights movement. It's, as you go lifetime to lifetime, it's, I don't know. I just wish we could just kind of fast forward a few more to where it's like, okay, can't we just really reach this point? To where like the Star Trek lands where yeah. we're all enlightened <laughs> and like working together. As uh, yeah. Like not. And food replicators. And food replicators. Oh, uh, yeah. I wish we could really really do that i yeah you know but i guess the the train to change is a slow one yeah it certainly is it certainly is in 1970 he debuted to the world a method of meditation called dynamic meditation according to him this type of meditation would allow for the experiencing of divinity so it's the way that you can see god or whatever Dynamic meditation was not the only kind he taught. He taught over 100 different kinds of meditation. I didn't know there were so many different kinds. Yeah. It seems like it would just be limited to a few. Yeah. There's a humming one where you hum, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to put you into a state. There's all kinds of stuff. He Dynamic meditation was something like you were always meditating, so you were kind of always in that state, if I understand correctly. Is the humming one like that Tibetan like throat? One. I think that might be a whole new and different thing. Like, <laughs> like there is it's like that the one monks too. that are just like, you know, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, I and mean, it could be the same. It maybe it's different. It's it's hard to say. I didn't really look into the that shit is intense. Every once in a while, I'm just like, oh, maybe I should just listen to something like really weird and fucked up. And yeah, it's time for the Tibetan throat, whatever. Yeah, throat yeah. singing, whatever. Mm-hmm. The debut of this new kind of meditation coincided with his move to Bombay, where he initiated his first of many groups of followers as disciples. It wasn't long, 1971, until he was accepting Westerners as disciples as well. So now he's finally letting the white people in, you know, there's mm-hmm. British folks and probably some Americans as well. It was the 70s at this point, so the world's getting smaller and smaller. He also started going by Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh at this point. Because you got to change your names. Multiple times, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not done yet. All his initiated disciples were called Neo Sanyas. Sanyas, there's several different ways you can spell this, but it all means basically the same thing. It's the practice of renouncing the physical world and devoting oneself to God. This is the last of the four stages of life in yoga philosophy. The first three are Brahmachyara, which is student, Grihastha, householder, and Vanaprastha, partially retired from worldly concern. Rajneesh has a very different idea of this Sanyas practice, hence calling them Neo-Sanyas. These folks renounced some things, but they'd still have, like, sex and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they weren't really completely 
taking themselves out of the physical world. Well, that's a hard thing to follow. That I think that's what makes a lot of them fall apart is that yeah. it's just like one guy who gets to fuck all the women and like nobody else can fuck. Yeah, but he was like, no, nah, everyone's fucking. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, if you don't take that away, the fact that maybe you have to give up some of your worldly possessions, but just have like the basics provided for you. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I can I can see why people do it. I'm fucking having a time adulting myself right now, and it's just like, I can see how this can be appealing sometimes. These Neosanians, they also like to dress in red or orange clothes. Sometimes they saw a little pink thrown in there, too. Oh, yeah, I guess that's sort of a red and orange put together is kind of pinkish. So there was, like, the, the whole idea behind it was the colors of the sunrise. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the red was the color of the sunrise. Orange also... Uh, represents a lot of the, um, a lot of the Eastern cultures, the, the spirituality of them. Right, right. The rising sun, mm-hmm, the rising yeah. sun. So yeah, I saw red, orange, occasionally a little purple, pink. They would also change their names, so that's a weird thing. Well, it wasn't I just mean, him. sometimes it's part of like making your new identity committed to. Yeah, the, that's true. Uh, to the freaking cult, change, change or your name, whatever. Yeah. Usually you don't call it a cult if you're in one. No, no. In 1974, he moved from Bombay to Pune as the weather was better there. Apparently the weather in Bombay was affecting his health. I imagine Bombay is probably pretty polluted, air pollution, a lot of... Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. I can see how if you're not physically very robust, it may, you know, (laughs) be detrimental to you. Mm Mm-hmm, absolutely. By the end of the 70s, he had so many disciples in his six-acre ashram, or monastery, that he needed a new place. Here, damn near every morning, he'd give a 90-or-so-minute-long lecture on a variety of religious topics, including yoga, Zen, Taoism, Sufism, and Tantra. These lectures, both the ones in English and Hindi, were collected and published in 50 languages and spanned 600 volumes. So, yeah, when you said he wrote a lot, he had a lot. I don't even know if he actually wrote it himself. I mean, I guess he did write the lectures, but they were collected and other people had them published, under, I'm sure under his direction, but it's a lot. That is a lot. A 90-minute lecture is a long time to talk. It is. I mean, there's two of us, and sometimes... uh we have trouble just uh, getting that that hour in, which yeah. we, which we which we shoot for with episodes. I mean, we don't really care if we go too much over, but right, right. When it's like know. we can't even talk an hour, it's like shit. Yeah, <laughs> if you can't talk an hour on something, there wasn't much on it. But you know, right, that is true. And but, ninety minutes. But can you imagine coming up with something every to talk day, damn near every all day. by yourself? Yeah, about for exactly. ninety minutes straight. And these are about, you know, topics that are already already have a lot of information on them, you know. These mm-hmm. are popular religious topics. They're not popular over here, but they're definitely popular over there. The local government was not really cool with Rajneesh and his free love hippie shit. And the local religious leaders were doubly pissed. The groups thwarted his every attempt at getting more land for his movement. And it actually got so fucked up they tried to have him killed. Damn. But... Well, at least people in America didn't take it that far. <laughs> no. And that was enough for Rajneesh in India. He and 2,000 of his disciples fled and landed in Oregon, Oregon, United States. Oh, my gosh. He purchased a ranch in southern Oregon, a huge ranch, a 100-square-mile ranch. That's 259 square kilometers. 
that's uh, that's a lot of area. Yeah. So what is sixty six thousand acres or something like that? Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many acres it is. Yeah, it was sixty odd thousand acres of land, and we're talking. I mean, we're not talking like coastal Oregon. Oh no, this is in the middle. This of Oregon. is in the middle of Oregon, Desert. where it drastically changes the the climate and the environment. There's no giant trees. It's like mm. really brushy, like sagebrush. Yep. Um, it's high. Isn't it high desert? It's it is high desert and very like really rocky. Like no no grass, no tall trees. It's it's pretty barren that that landscape, and it's kind of amazing what they do next. Yeah. Here, Reginis started spending more time secluded, and he was even spending less time with his disciples. All of his public addresses from April of 1981 until November of 1984 were done by video. Also during this time, now video, I mean VHS recorded, mm-hmm. not not streamed or anything because there wasn't any of that. In 1984, it was just like he records shit on a VHS cassette and then that would be played wherever for whomever. Also during this time, the entire commune appeared to be building a city. Mm-hmm. They were building a city. Neighbors were concerned by this, so they contacted local authorities. He called this place Rancho Rajneesh. Everyone generally referred to it, though, as the ranch. And later they would call it Rajneeshpuram, because that's what they wanted the city to be called, because they were yeah, literally building a city. They did. They Well, they got a, a permit. Like, right away, they had 150 registered voters go to city hall and that was the law you could create your own town if you had enough people and enough land i guess yeah and so and, and so he had it declared an official town much to the delight of the local hicks i mean yeah. antelope was the nearest town and it had like all of 40 residents and they are all like old and just this was the 1980s conservative yeah (laughs) it is 1980s and they are conservative as fuck for 1980 being openly racist was still very common in the 1980s oh yeah and yeah there's i've watched some of the old news clippings from them (laughs) and i'm just like oh my god yeah it was like we don't like these people they tried to take them to court they did take them to they did take them to court but he won he did win and the reason they had taken him to court was the argument was is that that land that they bought was zoned for only agricultural purposes. Oh right, it was yeah violating. Even Oregon. though it took a lot to make it agricultural, I mean they really worked hard. That land is is pretty barren, they, barren and <laughs> yeah. they had a flat. It's very rocky. They had to flatten and blast a whole section of it, and then they did. They they had a hospital. They had a schoolhouse. They had all these houses. They had temporary housing and tents. They had a hospital. It was, it was crazy. They had a little they town. Just, they just came in and did just all of them in red and orange, <laughs> just working their fucking <laughs> right. asses off with like cranes and pickaxes. They had people that were every walk of life. They had a lawyer. They had probably even more than one lawyer. Oh, probably. And yeah, engineers, people from all walks of life. It, it was it's pretty awesome when you think of what they accomplished, but. The, you know, there was just such a clash of <laughs> yeah. culture, I guess, between the extremely old, uh, bigoted country. Yeah, the locals. Yeah, Chris, you know, Christian to the max locals that this didn't go well. So he did win his lawsuit. They also, while this was all going on, they expanded into 
antelope after they filed the lawsuit because it actually had several properties for sale. And so they bought them and up. And so they just bought them all up. And they were just like, what? Because, I mean, this is stuff that had been for sale for years, basically. Right, right. Like, nobody wanted to move there. And they get these... It's almost like they forgot all about it when these people moved in. Obviously, of some means, if they're bulldozing and like building and this bought city, this huge area, yeah. and just bought this huge area, and then you go and sue them, saying that the end result of what the lawsuit was supposed to be was that they had to evacuate and they would demolish everything they built. Right, just like what the <laughs> fuck. So they do that, and just totally not even thinking about all the stuff they have for sale in actually in town these guys aren't even in their town right i mean they're there a lot i guess because prior the to their town, own yeah. shopping center and everything that they built themselves that's the closest place they that they supplies, had yeah. yeah but so then they just start they bought up like several residences and the local store and cafe where everyone would gather for a meal oh god <laughs> yeah and they turned it in from making like burgers to like fried bananas and they have all like the the orange culty people like in the, <laughs> and they're wow. all like serving everything up and the locals were just oh my god just like but fried bananas oh my god just the looks and the just they just couldn't believe it i mean this was like right. the worst thing to like happen to them in their lives oh well i mean <laughs> yeah i mean you've lived in this one town your whole life you know everyone in this town you've you know you've been other places maybe maybe not you all you have in this little tiny town is this one cafe. You can go get your burgers out, whatever, and mm -hmm, then with your other like-minded, where you can sit folk. there and do whatever and you know whatever, do whatever. They, they do all day and when they're suddenly old. Suddenly, all the people that you hate buy it, <laughs> start serving this weirdo new hippie food you don't want any part of. Plus, it's those damn cult members there serving you up. Yeah. <laughs> and they renamed it too. Like I can't remember. I didn't take the name down. But oh man! They totally renamed it from whatever cafe to like you know the the flaming Raja or something. I mean, yeah, something yeah, just... like wildly out of place. Yes. <laughs> Man. <laughs> it was so bad. Man. But I mean, it's like, dude, this, you know, serve it up a little bit. You would have literally run them out of town and destroy everything they just right. built um, because you just can't deal with the fact that uh there's something they're foreigners not uh, they're of a different uh race and culture and you just can't you stand the idea mm -hmm. that something is happening that you don't like mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter that it's not where you are you just can't stand it and you couldn't stand it so much you had to fuck with them and yep. now now you're kind of getting your just desserts you just totally got spanked because now they are where you are yeah now they are actually they just bought your only gathering spot right and turned it into their <laughs> fucking banana fry house <laughs> turned it in their fucking banana fry house exactly <laughs> well it didn't really stop there no no i mean there was there a was, woman there was conflict and uh scandal there was a woman called Ma Anand Sheila. Mm-hmm. She was like an American-born Indian who lived in Sweden for a little while or something. She was kind of all over the place. But she was like his, uh, Rajneesh's like, secretary and kind of his... She became the, the forefront of the movement in, in the United States in their place in Oregon. She kind of became the spokesperson. For, and I mean, seemed to almost, you know, have as much weight in in the cult as 
Rajneesh himself because he had been secluding himself. Well, Rajneesh Puran was not really a benign place. It wasn't just like a bunch of hippies in the middle of the desert. You know, it never really is. I mean, it might appear that way on the outside. Everything looks good on paper. Now, I don't believe they were like packing mad heat or anything, but it was the base for one of the largest wiretapping operations in United States history. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She had that place fucking wired. She had the town wired. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the Dales. The, the Dales. largest. The, yeah, the Dolls. Uh, see, they said it. They kept saying it as Dales. And I was uh, like, I thought it was the Dolls. It is. It is. It's just they were probably not from the Pacific Northwest. So they're not okay. really. I was just maybe ashamed at myself. I was nah. like, have I been thinking of this? The wrong way. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. I mean, I don't think so. I've only I've only ever heard it as the dolls from people who live in Oregon, too. Right. So. Yeah. So I was like, the Dales? God. I've only really driven through there and seen the sign for it about a million times right. going through Oregon. I haven't really actually heard people speak the word a whole lot. It's what I assumed it to be. Yeah, but... Well, you, you assumed correct. <laughs> this was also the base of the largest immigration fraud ever recorded in United States history. Yeah. Also that. It was also where the largest biological terrorist attack on American soil was launched from. I think it was the first and the largest. Yes, it was the first and the largest. Wasco County is the county that Rajneesh Puram is in. County courts were the ones clashing with them. In an attempt to stop this, Sheila wanted disciples in the two empty seats on the in the in the county. um, The county commissioner. Yeah, the county commissioner. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing that was happening in India. They they really wanted to expand, but because people opposed their way of life so fucking much, they, they were just getting ro- thrown roadblocks at every... And they were throwing everything at them that they possibly could legally to prevent them from... And so if you get two people in the positions in, mm-hmm. that, are, that are open, then... Right, that then, then some, that... gives you some sway. Exactly. Then, then some of those problems start going away for you. Problem is, however, is you're not ever going to get these people voted in. Well, I mean, not legitimately. So what they would do is they would bring in busloads of homeless people from all over Oregon. Literally thousands. And get them registered as voters. Now, this plot failed in 1984. And that's when she decided maybe it was maybe, time to escalate. Yeah, time, time to really get your hands dirty, so to speak. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not known like how much of the how many of the members actually like knew about like the next step. I mean, obviously, you can not know about all the homeless people being recruited right. and the second they're off the bus, they have to register to vote. Right, right. I mean, that's... and also besides the members, everyone outside tended to notice this too, like all of a sudden like all these busloads of homeless people are showing up. I mean, it's not like nobody can see what's happening. So eventually they're just like, yeah, you actually need to like prove like residence for a while before you can actually vote. You just can't come into the state and vote as if you are a resident of it or that county. Yeah. It's a county commissioner. So you could be a resident of Oregon, but you you can't can't vote on this topic because you just got bust in by these yeah, like you Funny and I guys. can't go to the next county and vote for their county. <laughs> yeah, judges I can't go to like Snohomish and be like, "Oh, hey, I'm just gonna weigh in all your shit." Yeah, no, can only vote for the county in which I reside. Yep. So, yeah, it was time to to move along, and 
in that hospital that they have on their their city that they built themselves. Yep. Apparently, they had access to uh, some laboratory samples, and this isn't unusual to have certain like viruses or bacteria. Like in test tubes, it's right? So, so sometimes you can like test against it. Yeah, yeah. For things. Anyways, one of the things that they had was salmonella, like lab-produced salmonella. And so that's to say that since they, the hospital had this stuff, it was a legitimate hospital. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just some ramshackle thing they threw up and like painted a red cross on someone's forehead and said, "You're a doctor now." It was a real hospital. It was a real functioning hospital. Yes. So the salmonella was somehow, I don't know how they add volume to it when it's in a little test tube, but I'm, probably yeah, just some sort of liquid grow it somehow. medium. And they put it into little spray bottles, like little, like if you have like a little thing of like that face spray or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, like a tiny little spritz bottle. And they went out amongst the town to... Poisoned the local town folk with salmonella because their hope was that they would render them so incapacitated that they couldn't go out on the day of the election and vote. Back then, you didn't have, like, your... There was no real absentee stuff. I Maybe through mail, but I don't even think that happened until, like, the 90s or even early 2000s. Yeah, I think you had to, like, show up to the polls and I'm pretty vote. sure to the, bo- yeah, show up to the voting booths and stand mm-hmm. in line and go and, into... like, punch your ticket. And... Yep. Yeah, I have a little booths with like the curtains. Yep. Give you a sticker. I voted. Straight up. Yeah. (laughs) Straight up old school. And yeah, I mean, if you are afflicted by salmonella poisoning, you are indeed capacitated. I wouldn't go out and fucking vote. You're completely incapacitated. It's coming out all. If you got. uh, Yeah, it's coming out your ass and it's coming out your mouth. And it's awful because you don't even know which one's going to hit first. Like that moment where it's just like, fuck. And then, I mean, it ends up being both, but it's like, in what order? And can I, like, stop one before I have to start another? It's just, right. like, the, literally, like, it's, the worst ever is just to be vomiting and shitting like that. It's just, God. And the stomach cramps and... It's bad news. It is just so You're not, not going to be good. able to make it to the polls. And you're certainly, if everyone's like that, everyone's not going to be able to make it to the mm-hmm. polls. I mean... Oh, yeah. So the first time... That- Obviously, the the elections are in November, but it's August when they actually decide to test it out for the first time. Right, right. Like, let's, let's just see if this actually works before we go. Dry run. Yeah, a little dry run. Or practice run, I guess. Before you do, like, the really big thing. Yeah. They spray it on the doorknobs of, like, the county courthouse. Oh, yeah. And also on some fresh produce in the local grocery stores. Oh, God. Yeah, only nobody gets sick, though. All right. One month later in September, they go in and they go to 10 different restaurants. I don't know if it was all at once or eventually because it kind of came in two waves. Just like a week or two apart. Nonetheless, they end up going into a total of 10 different restaurants and spraying the salad bars. Just hosing them down. Just hosing them down with salmonella, where, and as a result of that, no less than 712 people were sickened with and this, salmonella. And this is not obviously in the just in the smallest town there, because that had a very small population. They're going out to the greater populace. Right, population right, because throughout the county. Yeah, the Dalles. 
is a is a larger city than than Antelope. They expanded yeah. out of that because it they had to get the seats on the county. So the county incorporated more people than just that one town of Antelope. Yeah, yeah. And the Dalles is where they ended up doing this. God. <laughs> That'd be so fucked. So fucked. It came in like two waves and it was like the first day it was like tons of people like show up at the hospital like dozens of people like more and more and everyone's just like what the fuck and then like a week later it's like massively worse just everyone's like lined up on the floors and can you imagine just overrunning the hospital just overrunning the and... hospital with vomiting and diarrhea yeah, like that's... oh my god that's awful god <laughs> it's just so bad it's just so, so bad, bad. I mean, that is the worst you can feel. And then to make so many people that way, it's like you can't even get, like, medical help. Like, everyone's just, like, laying in the hallway, like, vomiting and shitting themselves. And what? Fuck. Sounds like a revolting, revolting time to be in a, me a medical worker. It's Yeah, just... it sounds pretty traumatizing. And yeah. uh, some of the people that I, I watched on, on, like, various things about it, it was just like that's like the sick I, the sickest I've ever been in my life. Like I, I mean, we all have fallen victim to the stomach flu like that. But I think sometimes salmonella it can be like that for days and days. Yeah, it's not like twenty four hours of this, you know, right. vomiting and shitting misery, and then you're kind of better. It's like, yeah, days. and you do it so much, you get dehydrated, and that makes you even and sicker. It's hard to you can't need really, IV, you need yeah. IV antibiotics stuff like that. It's just not. Ugh. It's not. It's a miracle. I mean, people don't like die often from it, but little babies and old people can die from it if they get to a certain level of dehydration. I actually learned recently about how many people die of diarrhea every year. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's um, that's generally from uh, unclean drinking water. Yep. Yeah, it's, because a uh, lot of people don't have access to clean drinking water, and that's it, a really sad thing. So they have a lot of like diarrhea ish. It was like viruses. 2, 2 million people. Yeah, mm -hmm. four percent of the world's deaths. Yeah. Oh yeah. Diarrhea. It's, it's huge because there's a huge amount of people who can't access clean drinking water. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, it really is when you look at some of the world statistics. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> Nobody died though. Nobody died, so that's the good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. Good job, you know, the Dolls Hospital, keeping now, all those people hydrated. The CDC. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, let me make a quick correction here. Sorry. It's 751 people. 751 people. Yes. I, I don't know why I had 712 in my that's mind, right. but... <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, crap, I bet I'm I'm just going to, yeah, sorry, I fucked up on my notes there. That's all right. <laughs> Moving along. The CDC does this big investigation trying to figure out, obviously, when 751 residents become sick ill, with salmonella, sick yeah. with salmonella over the course of a couple weeks. Got It's time to check some shit out. <laughs> Definitely. It's like... And they couldn't nail it down to, like, one single restaurant or grocery store or whatever. It was really... And they couldn't they do that They really because, just didn't have any answers. And it was because it was it was put on there by people. It wasn't an accident. It didn't happen at a factory anywhere. It wasn't like, oh, we all got the lettuce from so-and-so. No, mm -hmm. it Because was... it was done by people so seemingly so randomly, uh, that's what led them to suspect that, you know, perhaps the... Uh, 
the the cults had something to do with it. Perhaps the local hippie cult that so many people that live here have a problem with. I don't know. Yeah. Might be a connection. Decided to investigate. <laughs> now, this was uh, not something that they made public. Officially, the residents who were all sick and who owned businesses, that nine out of the ten of those restaurants that they sprayed the uh, shit with, <laughs> literally, that they sprayed the salmonella in, nine, and, nine out of those ten, like, closed permanently. Wow. Because there was just... They just the it's it's like today times where the loss of business just they just couldn't recover from it. Yeah, so many people got sick, and officially the state's ruling on it was it was caused by poor hygiene. So so it was the fault everyone of- is thinking that a lot of these restaurants people weren't like washing their hands after using the bathroom, and that's what what sickened them. And so the wider yeah. the wider area of people are like oh that's fucked up. It wasn't that it was they were targeted at these restaurants and the dolls are just not you can't eat at these places yeah it, it was kind of putting it back on yeah, them as, yeah. as as their problem which kind of sucks yeah for sure because that i'm sure that didn't help any of them reopen no like we weren't victims and it won't have we were victims and it won't happen again right it was like oh yeah we're just really filthy people and you probably shouldn't be eating at our establishment i don't know and there's no way for them to really publicly put it out there any anything because there's no easy way to do that in those days yeah and i'm sure they the 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 officials didn't want to know because i think they were gonna try and nail them on it and you can't yeah you can't let them know you're coming right that yep. oh like we suspect that you guys actually did it because along with their collective suspicion that uh, the Rajishnians had something to do with it. They were also trying to nail them on immigration. Oh yeah, um, the yeah. whole immigration thing. They were <laughs> what they were doing is they were immigration getting, law violations. They were getting people to marry, like mm-hmm. to, to do quote unquote marriages where it wasn't a real right. Marriage. And they were total sham marriages. Four hundred yeah. of these, four hundred fake marriages. Probably also in efforts not only to stay there, but to get to do commit more voting fraud, which oh, is also likely, what yeah. they were trying to nail them for. Yep. And it was under um, an arrest warrant for for Rajneeshi that led them to search the compound and actually find the evidence of the salmonella. Yep. And, and the wiretapping. Yes. And the wiretapping. That's where, when the whole wiretapping Hundreds of cassettes. thing comes out. <laughs> And the wiretapping was basically done to, like, help with the salmonella. Like, basically all of their criminal activities, the wiretapping was trying to was trying to keep all of those on the down low. So they were paying attention. They're they listening in on all the different places to make sure they didn't get busted for this other shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they wanted to know what was being said about them. And, uh, it, you know, kind of smart when you think about it. It's like, what do they have on us? I can't believe they managed to wiretap so much shit. Oh, like yeah. every fucking payphone. It's crazy. In the fucking city was wiretapped. Now, even the authorities didn't know why nothing had happened in November. Because, I mean, it took like a full year before they actually were able to execute the search warrant. Oh, yeah. It in the meantime, time. I mean, um, Jesus Christ. Sheila and this nurse, Puji, had fled the country. They were later extradited. Oh, yeah. And 
And then uh, Rajishni himself was arrested on those immigration. And deported. And deported. But he served some time before he was deported. Not very much, though. Not a, not a lot. Not a lot. Now, when they got Sheila, she received three 20-year federal prison sentences and a $470,000 fine. She went. She was sent to a prison in California where she served three years and three months. Right. And the and other moved to Switzerland. Yeah. The nurse did the same. They, it was both kind of the same deal for them. Three years and then off to Switzerland. Where they, uh, I don't know if she did it with the nurse or if it was just her, but she at least bought a couple nursing homes. And yeah, no, I think the nurse is, is working there, too. Yeah, like, that's she's, a little frightening. And now she's the star of a documentary. Because, uh, you know, th- it was basically the two of them that were, like, the ringleaders in the poisoning. Yeah. And they Rajishni got off- claims he didn't have any knowledge of it, but really, I don't know. I'm not buying that 100%, but, I, but the two of them, Sheila and the, the nurse, were... They, they were the executors of yeah. it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Like, damn. So they had intended to remember uh, September was still like kind of like phase two of their experiment where they got 751 people violently ill because that was September. The election's not till November and they mean that you can capacitate everyone during the time where you go in and vote. Yep. So their idea was that they were going to contaminate the local water supply. And there is evidence that it was broken into like wherever it's the... Yeah. It's housed, usually like the reservoir or whatever, like they have a big fence around it. And it's, I don't think, all that difficult to get into, especially one for a town like that. Well, they probably but... get into like the actual building where there's a, where it, the water is processed or whatever. Mm-hmm. It goes through whatever process it needs to go through. And they're going to put it on the other side of that so that it's, it's not filtered out. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it wasn't successful. And they, in fact, uh, lost the, uh, election to get those seats. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by quite a bit because they can uh, out any of their uh, fake votes and they, their yeah. attempt to do the the big, you know, the big production, the big uh, win there, where they were just going to sicken so many people. Just I guess either it was a ab- maybe somebody aborted it because they were just like, yeah, we can't. Right. Like, this maybe. is just too fucked up. Yeah. Cause they had Americans there too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There possible. could have been a point where it's like once maybe somebody found out about like the 751 people that had already been poisoned, the idea of putting it in the town water supply where it would, uh, sicken, you know, quite a bit. Yeah. And more <laughs> like, and, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Some of these people may have been there because they were truly believing in the moral. Teachings. Yeah. This is and kind so... of going against that whole like Eastern philosophy of uh, meditation and probably like there isn't a whole lot of violence advocated. Yeah. And yeah. So I can see hurting how, other people and how people would be more loyal to their own spirituality than to the power structure of this town that mm-hmm. is starting to look kind of shady <laughs> right it's just like wow like yeah that would take a lot to convince me that we needed to do that to a bunch of people just to yeah it's just like i think this is sort of wrong not, yeah <laughs> this isn't practicing what we're preaching here not by a long shot well as you said rajneesh was arrested and uh, on immigration charges, he pled guilty. 
So, you know, he you said he did some time. It wasn't very much time. And he got deported to India and, and then... Well, first, well, when he left the United States, he didn't go straight to India. Oh, okay. He went to a few other countries and none of these countries would let him stay. Oh, dear. One of these countries was Jamaica. They're like, no, you can't stay Jamaica here. Jamaica wouldn't let They're, him stay? No, because he was a fucking cult leader, man. <laughs> he didn't want his... I guess it's something you just don't want anywhere. Yeah, like, well, look what yeah. he's done in the past two places he was in. He tried to build fucking cities and we're not... We're just not into that. <laughs> I know, God. He did land back in India in 1986. Here, he found that he had way fewer disciples than when he left. But nevertheless, he started teaching again, and he changed his name to Osho. Yeah, well, I mean, this time it's kind of to be expected, I would think. Yeah. Over the next several years, he would get sicker and sicker until he finally died of heart failure in one of his communes in Pune, India. This was on January 19th, 1990. And the commune he died at was renamed first the Osho Institute and later the Osho International Meditation Resort, which it remains named today. The commune gets nearly a quarter million visitors a year, and his disciples continue to this day to spread his teaching and have opened hundreds of Osho meditation centers worldwide. Mm. I actually, there is a meditation center in Seattle that teaches some of Osho his stuff oh interesting yeah. and you know what happened They're closed right now because of the whole sea virus thing but <laughs> right and you know what happened to the to the ranch right what happened to the ranch <laughs> the ranch is now it's a kid's summer camp owned and operated by uh, a christian youth organization young life that's the young, life. young life young life now that's, it's I've called life the before. washington family ranch and so, you know, the whole thing where it was like, oh, yeah, you weren't supposed to be having like residences and have it be only for, agricultural, it was, only agricultural. Apparently, it's not a big deal now that like, you know, Christian youth right. and, and love for Jesus is being taught there. Love for Jesus and probably a really hypocritical, uh, not exactly following Jesus way, but no, they probably aren't. Poisoning people and wiretapping. That's true. Though. That's true. I'm just going to say that initially, before all the poisoning and wiretapping, yeah, they probably got they unduly fucked with. Yeah, they, they. I don't think they were doing anything super wrong. No, no. They, I mean, they won in a racist. I'm. I don't know if the court was racist. I can only assume because it, it was, was the 1980s. 1980s yeah, uh, I can only assume that. So even in a racist court, they still won land use charge or whatever that was uh, leveled against them. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. At that point, though, it was like they just started hitting back hard, and I think they should not have probably. And I think just having Sheila come to the forefront. I mean, she was just really she was a burr in people's ass. I mean, <laughs> yeah. some of the stuff. The stuff she was saying before actually wouldn't have bothered me so much. I see where it bothered people like them yeah. at the time. But when once she started playing dirty, oh man, she was fighting hard oh, and yeah. like saying some really extreme things and, and just in, in a really extreme fucked up way to where I'm just like, oh my God, can we You can fucking we? lost me, lady. Yeah. Totally. I did not even know this until last night that Netflix has a documentary series. It's called Wild Wild Country. I only got through a couple episodes, but I would highly recommend. It's extremely detailed on the whole. She's in it. Story of it, and it's she is her. in it. Like yeah. she has, she's 
like one of the lead speakers in the documentary. Isn't it like it's about her return to India or something? I don't know. I don't know where the fuck she is. She's just filmed like on a couch in a house, like a darkened room. Right. You only, so you only I a don't know. Episodes in. So. I, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I think there's like eight or six or something. There's quite a few. So I'm excited to actually watch it in full detail. And I would suggest uh, anyone out here listening to do the same. Probably, probably pretty good. I'm. I'm a fan of like the Netflix documentaries. Yeah, I haven't seen job. too many of them really. I like documentaries, though. Anyways, since it was so detailed, it was so it showed a lot of the news and press conferences and interviews. Like reporters were always around, like, "Oh, oh, right, oh what's I'm going sure. on? What's going on?" And oh man, some of the stuff she said, it was just like, "Dude, I can't listen to this." Anymore. It was the you biggest story. I mean, nothing off. happens around there. I mean, oh that's no, just nothing. The middle of nowhere, and so nothing. Yeah, every every newspaper and small town reporter was just like, "There's something to do." There is a huge difference between like Portland oh, and yeah. this place, and it's the like, same thing if in Washington. It like, is on, it's like anything like east of the Cascade Mountains. It's like vastly different than how it is coastal. Very rural. Mm-hmm. And, very deserty. Very yes. rural. Not a lot of people. It, there's some places there. There's you know, bigger and bits of populated areas, but for the most part, it's and especially pretty, in the 80s, it, I mean, oh it was my god, pretty, yeah, there was far less yeah, people in the 80s, way less people. We've had too many flock to the Northwest, I think, in the last couple of decades. Yes, there's been a lot of job opportunities up here, so a lot of people have decided to come this way for them. Yes, and in doing so, it's... Has put a strain on the area. Yeah, definitely on the housing prices and the traffic, but at least during pandemic time, it's less traffic. Yes, although the traffic's getting back to normal now, so that's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. I... It was just like one. It was like one small comfort, you know. Right. Like <laughs> See, I wish like, the traffic really was always up. like this. Yeah. Like, look at how it could always be. You mean all you guys at Microsoft and Amazon could have been telecommuting this whole fucking time? Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> maybe you should just keep doing that because look at how much lovely. better it is. I mean, it really gets to you after a years and years and years of it exponentially getting worse. Oh it, yeah, it, especially it since with your you head. work in a larger city. For me. I on my commute to work there is no freeway. It's all back roads basically. I mean, <laughs> the main road there isn't really a back road, but it's fairly country out where I am, so that's well, not so bad for me. One more resource I would like to name in this is there is a great blog and it's called if you re if you watch the whole documentary series there's a blog in response to it about like 57 questions that it never answered. Oh. And it's written by this guy who was a teenager at the ranch. Like oh, his really? mom was from England and she became a follower and they made the move from India over to Oregon. That's got to be a hell of a move. I know that India has very many different climates on it, but I don't know if it's quite like Oregon. Oh I mean, yeah. God, in the middle of winter right. in that part of Oregon. So cold. So much snow. His name is Dickon Kent. I'm like, what an English name. Dickon Kent. That's a very English name. And he wrote this whole blog about how it was his experience on the ranch and spending his teenage years uh being like in a cult with his mom dressed in red <laughs> dressed in red middle and, of nowhere and uh he's a pretty actually a really well-balanced person it wasn't 
super traumatizing. It yeah, it, but it was like a really it, good, I mean, interesting read. And it answered the question that I couldn't even quite figure out was like, where the fuck did this guy have all his money? Because, you know, you build this whole fucking city. You're buying up property everywhere. Tons of Rolls Royces. I forgot to say. Yeah. Tons of yeah, Rolls Royces. I didn't say it either. But yeah, the guy had like 80 fucking Rolls Royces. I mean, it was like insane how much. And his own like private jet. And he was doing all right. They had an airport. They built a fucking airport on that piece of land. That's <laughs> <laughs> wild an airplane an airport for the guy's airplane so it's like how the fuck do you get all this goddamn money yeah so he answers some of that like from what he knows a lot of wealthy people donated like in the end i think uh that was one of the points that what's her face was getting so paranoid about um sheila like she starts why she's been wiretapping everything and she's just going a little psycho yeah at this point and it's because some of the celebrities had joined in and that brings more people more that brings eyes. more people and in the american the the americans who had already joined it's like she thought maybe they were going to be like more loyal to them because they're like superstars right and like she's not and then in addition there was all the clash and conflict with all the homeless people they had taken on because yeah not all of them were maybe as committed to uh the living the lifestyles as someone who like had kind of voluntarily joined and given all their money, which is another thing you did. The guy's mom like sold her house and like gave everything to oh, the right. cult. Oh, that's and that's kind of like your payment, like to get into that. So, and a lot of these homeless people. I mean, I have met a fair number of homeless people in my life. I've you know done some traveling, so right. There is a lot of them that are unbalanced. Yes, they're their mental health is and an issue. So I'm sure that was even more so in the 80s when people were like, it was such like it, mental health problems was even more of a stigma then. Oh yeah. So I'm sure a lot of these people were just undiagnosed. God knows what, and that's uh-huh. going to cause and some And then and then you're, you're bringing them into your tightly knit community as well as, you there know, anyone who may or may not have some sort of substance abuse problem yes booze or drugs or whatever i mean this is the 1980s a lot of cocaine around <laughs> i guess maybe for them it was kind of like you know the local townsfolk when they moved in yeah and now they're kind of experiencing the same thing where they're bringing a lot of stuff where it's like okay now this crosses a line for them like they don't approve of this behavior and, right and of course not all homeless people bothersome. are insane or, you know, no no not not to, anything not like to that. say that at all i think there a few like really got into it and, be- oh, yeah. and totally stayed and yeah i could see very easily if i was sound of mind and free of addiction that that would be the that would be fine. That would be a good start over. Like, oh, now oh, I can just get sure. money it's just... or not money, but I can get cared for and a place to live. And like, yeah, sign me up. I look great in red. It's just, just definitely not the majority. Not just there. There's plenty of those cases, but it's I wouldn't say the majority of the right. homeless population is um, having those uh, two advantages. No, and, you know, no mental health problems and not suffering from addiction, especially in those times. Yes. Now there are a lot more yes. social programs out there available to that people can go to and yeah they may not be the best programs but i would venture to say they're probably better than none at all yeah so the whole thing i mean (laughs) yeah just just eventually yeah just just collapses in on itself and just you know just becomes fucking nuts you know imagine being one of those people at that time just living there and suddenly You've got all of these strangers that have moved into town. Mm-hmm. They're all dressed the same. And you're just like, what the hell is going on here? The people in government, like, dude, they have an airport. 
we don't have an airport. Mm-hmm. It's like wild. Yeah. Well, I think they should have uh, probably thought twice before fucking with them, too, because I just didn't. Yeah, you probably just <laughs> sh- shouldn't, as a general rule, fuck with people like out of the blue. I think we're better at letting people do their own thing than we used to be. Yes. I mean, they were just ahead of their time. I think if they wanted to set up here and do this city, I'd be like, oh, yeah, can I get a place here, too? (laughs) Right? Like, I look great in red. (laughs) Can I at least um, buy some of your, like, you know, grass-fed cattle? (laughs) Or whatever. Yeah, when you butcher it, can I get a piece of it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, can I kind of buy into the to the <laughs> like cost sharing of it without having, actually having to like you know live there? Or maybe can I do my own shit but mm-hmm. still benefit? Yeah, <laughs> how can I benefit off of your presence? <laughs> Not to be cliche, right? <laughs> but yeah, you should uh, you should read this guy's blog because he he gets way into to how that was even when everyone had to clear out all of a sudden like because everything did fall apart yeah, and he yeah. basically had like 25 bucks in his pocket and was 17 and for whatever reason i don't think his mom was with him it was like a group of friends off of the compound that they just just got split up somehow and yeah and then they're just out of there with like no money and really hard to find a lot of the, red clothes and it's <laughs> really hard to find someone else in the world if without a cell phone if you don't have a plan then it's really hard to get a hold of somebody. That's true. We've been we've been pretty spoiled by it. It's I, oh yeah. I was born during a time when that was a thing, but I don't have a. It was when we were. Yeah, yeah. it was just yeah. Up until high, like high school, mm-hmm. it was right after high school I got my first cell phone. Mine too. And I had yeah. a pager, you know, in high school. A pager for the younger listeners was mm-hmm. a device where you would call it and then push a phone number in, and then the device would show you the phone number. Yeah. It's ancient stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it was used for your parents to get a hold of you and for drug dealers. One hundred percent. Or to send little messages using the the numbers, like yeah, making the numbers like do a little picture. Old school text messaging. <laughs> mm-hmm. Way old school text messaging. <laughs> but I believe that is about what we have on Rajneesh Puram. Yes, it was a. Wild ride, an interesting thing. It was, thing. and I never knew about it until pretty recently. And then I, I guess the documentary was made a year or two ago, but I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, 2019, I believe. I, I just, you know, saw some little thing about it, and I was like, holy shit, this happened? Little, uh, let me just put in there really quick regarding that, actually. You know how, like, the residents were all like, oh, it was, you know, poor hygiene that yeah they were told it was poor hygiene that contributed to it the actual information about them being poisoned and all that shit didn't wasn't released to the general public for like 10 years oh wow after that wow that's that's (laughs) like i get during the investigation before you bust them maybe not wanting to let that but after you've made your arrests and the case is closed maybe it's like oh yeah by the way you were poisoned by cult members wow crazy it wasn't that you guys you know had shit on your hands they had shit in bottles. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for listening. As usual, you can find us on most of the social medias under Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. You can find us at Patreon, patreon.com slash Stranger Than Podcast, where you can donate $2 for ad-free episodes or $5 for the ad-free episodes plus a bonus episode, and that is a monthly recurring charge through Patreon. Take a look at our 
podcast syndicate, ageofradio.org. Tons of other podcasts that you can listen to there. And if you're interested in forming a cult and having me be your leader, it's a stranger than podcast at gmail.com. Serious inquiries only, you guys, okay? That's right. <laughs> and with that, we will talk to you next time. And stay strange. <laughs> <laughs>